Dead characters do not yield spin-offs. You are the Yoda of abdominal tumors. This is Serious Business. There is something strange in the neighborhood because this is Serious Business, the drunkest, nerdiest podcast on the planet. My name is Rob. I'm filling in for Jeff, but we still have a very special episode lined up for you this week. We here at Tisby were very saddened to hear last week about the passing of filmmaker Harold Ramis, and uh, we thought... What perfect opportunity to talk about him as a filmmaker, and specifically a movie that he wrote and starred in that looms so large in so many of our childhoods, Ghostbusters. So we'll be discussing that this week, and the impact that that wonderful movie had on all of us. But first, let's meet our panel, a very special panel this week. First, we have John. John, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm terrified beyond all rational thought, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. good. You're good? That's gold. Good. Um, so starting off, starting off with a quote. Starting off with a quote. I like it. So my question, and uh, I didn't, I didn't clear this with you guys ahead of time, but I, I sort of am very confident that you'll have both of you right. have an answer. Growing up, which one of your Ghostbusters toys was your favorite? God damn, I had so many. I would probably say the Proton Pack. I've gone back and watched like old Ghostbusters toy commercials and realized that I had. Almost everyone in the commercial. Like I, I had the proton pack. I had the the trap. I had right. both ectos. I had all different iterations of the action figures. I didn't have the first series, but I had a lot, man. I had a lot of toys. I had a lot of Ghostbusters toys. Proton pack is a good choice. I remember. I still remember that like really grating noise it would make when you pulled the trigger. What, yeah. What noise was that supposed to be? It was just like was, a was, rattling oh, yeah. sort of grinding noise yeah it had like this the small yellow foam noodle yeah there was yeah. the, was yeah, the bean. which got chewed up by so many pets yes yeah <laughs> in the 80s uh it also the other thing the other awesome thing about the proton pack was that it came with the pke meter yes. right i do with remember a little that. sticker yeah. on it i mean and it yeah. had the plastic armband with a go logo oh god damn, that was yes. awesome yes i do remember those that's a great answer and uh as usual i gotta ask what are you drinking today be a little bit of a, of a badass i'm drinking a sam adams rebel ipa wow you know i'm, I'm kind of done with ipas i think i'm a fan i like i don't I, I, just warming up most of my uh beer drinking friends love ipas and it's like the only kind of beer i like cannot drink anymore it's it's a little bit of a distinct taste, so I can understand. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, I've never had that Sam Adams one. I'll give it a shot when when I'm back east at some point. It's very good, John. Glad to have you. And as our second panelist, a very special second panelist, a guest, you might even say, longtime Tisby fan, who we've shouted out a number of times, very loudly. Many times. <laughs> many times. Uh, Kyle is joining. Kyle. Us this week. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, how are you? What are you doing here? How did you get in? Yeah, so I drove 250 miles to see my main man Johnny uh-huh. and uh, celebrate his 30th birthday a week later mm. because it's that important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm here. I brought a gift for the man, hung out, and uh, we're doing some culinary experiments. So making pizza, drinking beer. Yeah. Wow. And and honestly, driving up, I said to myself. Am I going to get in on a Tisby? Is, is it going to happen? <laughs> Will it be real? Yeah. And and it turns out, here we are. It is real. Here we are. It is real. You're probably the first person that we've encountered that has listened to, what, most of them? All of them? Oh, every, every one. Every single one of them. That every is, uh, I, I don't, I haven't even listened to all of them. A fan turned panelist. Yeah. yeah. So that's a very special day and we're glad to have you here on, on the Ghostbusters Thank episode. Thank you. Glad so, here. Glad Rob. <laughs> so your your first Tisby question is uh, the same. Uh, growing up, what uh, what, what uh, piece of Ghostbusters merchandise was your was your absolute favorite? Yeah, this is where I'm unfortunately going to let down our fans, <laughs> our brothers, oh, our no. sisters. Our, yeah, so I am from a family where we didn't we didn't necessarily do you didn't have toys. Yeah, so the toys we had were, you know, so Super Soaker 50 and Super Soaker 100 are, are, are the staple that I can, I can speak very well about. 
I can talk to you about Nintendo and Blades of Steel and Zolo and, Zolo and things like that. Or Contra and trying to beat it on three lives before you learn the secret code, right? <laughs> I cannot speak to you about actual action figures or toys from movies. It's, it's not something our, my parents facilitated. Okay. So. Now, did you guys know each other that young? Johnny and I knew each other at like 12 or 13. Okay, yeah, so little, seventh grade. Little, seventh. little after. Well, actually, yeah, after, yeah the Ghostbusters. After. Yeah, Ghostbusters yeah, had yes. passed. Phase had passed. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to give you a pass because I'm All a right. nice guy and you, you show a lot of 90s toy cred right there. <laughs> yeah. so, you can uh, hang. You can, you can hang. hang. You can hang. Um, <laughs> and what are you enjoying on this lovely Saturday evening? Yeah. Yeah, I'm rocking a Rebel IPA. You are both. Yeah. Right here. Right, oh, yeah. I figured that. That's always the tricky, <laughs> the tricky part of having John with either Michelle or. In well, this case, you know, here's the thing. I work with some uh, some guys that 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 live and breathe and die by the IPA, and <laughs> wow. and I agree with your. I would almost say that it's a cultural shift, meaning people feel special drinking an IPA, right? And they don't they don't want to just say, "Well, I'm just drinking a beer. I'm I, I'm having a beer." No, I'm having an IPA. And well, which IPA? Because there's so many IPAs. So now you're in a you're in a club. It's like Jeep owners wave to each other. Even if you're in you live in Rhode Island and you're driving in Arkansas, you'd wave to them. It's kind of like an IPA club. Huh. Yeah, I was never aware of that. That's the way I, I look at it. So we're part of the club right now. Yeah, I I think you're right, and I I think it's I think it's become I don't want to say like a, a snobby sort of like little beer culture or click but it does seem like people who do like ipas like defend them to death right. you know what ah. i mean like it's sort of like an acquired taste like if you're not down with the ipa then you're not a serious <laughs> beer drinker and it's like hey, beer snob yeah, so, yeah you're not legit yeah you're not legit so huh. all right I, I i see where you're going then i would have to agree and I, i've encountered it as well all right well thanks for sharing kyle and we'll very much look forward to talking to you with you this episode cool. let's see i had like John, I had many Ghostbusters toys growing up. I did have the Proton Pack, and that was pretty awesome. And I did have the Trap. Yeah. And those were great. I was, I have more vivid memories of the action figures, though. And they weren't even, like, great action figures. Do you remember, John? They, oh, yeah. They were sort of, they were based more on the, on the, on the animated show. Yeah, they, they were, were modeled after the... the... Right. Show. And there was some sort of like weird function where you like plug a ghost into the, oh, the yeah. actual figure that was like, and then they would that like, was like spin their arms two. or something. Yep. Sort of like the noise that came out of the proton pack. It was sort of like, what is this supposed to represent in the Ghostbusters world where they're, they're spinning their arms for no reason? But I did have the, um, what was it, like the fire station headquarters. I had that too. Wow. Um, which was pretty cool, and I do remember, you know, just sort of like putting the the figures on on the pegs and just like letting them spin down the uh, the, the fire, fire pole. Ooh. Yeah, so that Ooh. was uh, that was a favorite of mine. So that's going to be my answer. And uh, I'm enjoying a little bit of uh, Evan Williams whiskey once again, two weeks in a row. Evan Williams, nothing uh, wrong with if that. You, if you'd like to sponsor our podcast, give us a call. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. So. Now that we get through all of that, let's uh, let's talk Ghostbusters. Kyle, first of all, you didn't partake in the toys, but I am assuming that you are familiar with Ghostbusters, the film. Absolutely. Okay, very good, because that would have been... <laughs> we check that before we start recording. Um, but oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm aware. Okay. I'm, I'm good. All right, very good. Let's just start off sort of in a broad way and I'll go to John first and say what were your first sort of memories watching Ghostbusters? Well actually I think Ghostbusters was probably one of those things that was part of my earliest memories. I remember watching the animated show in the afternoons mm. and then watching the movie was sort of blended in with that so I don't exactly remember which one came in came first i would assume that it was the cartoon show you know like my parents just plopped me down in front of the tv during that i remember that whole block of shows in the afternoon back when they showed cartoons in the afternoons it was like ghostbusters and transformers and jay joe and all that but the movie i i don't remember it was i was too young i don't remember the exact time 
you know, the first the first time I saw it, but I remember being really young, like four or five, and and watching the movie and. Like, I remember being perplexed as to why the characters look different in the show and they had the different uniforms and things like that. And, you know, it was the biggest thing was why Egon, you know, like in the show, Egon has blonde hair and red glasses. Right. And in the movies, you know, he's got black hair and black glasses. Right. But, yeah, I was really young when I first watched it. And that, that that was really sort of my first memory of it. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I mean, I'll get to my thoughts as well about a lot of agreement here where it is still some of my earliest memories both the animated show and the movie and there is sort of like a strange sort of blending there where Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to tell which which i watched first i want to say i saw the animated show first because it's it's hard for me to believe that like yeah your parents parents, said let's show them them the, the movie first I think I think I liked the cartoon so much that eventually my parents were like, oh, it's also a movie, and you seem to be able to handle you know, yeah. mildly scary things, so here you go. <laughs> I think my dad was a fan of Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd in general, so it was, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure he had seen the movie himself before and figured, hey, he's okay, you can watch it. Right, right, right. right. Uh, Kyle, what about you? What are your first memories of the film, or, you know, because it seems to be blending in the... Uh, sort of merging together the cartoon as well so i actually saw the movie first and i actually rarely watched the cartoon so for me i remember the movie from the from the standpoint of a couple scenes stand out to me i remember them being in the stacks in the library yeah and and i say to myself now now that i'm older Apparently, you can do anything you want in a library, and I wish I had known that as a kid. Because I mean, what's the librarian going to do? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm hunting down ghosts right now. I'm working something here. You got to back off. I also really liked the 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 search for the gatekeeper, and then um, the whole third act. Stuff. Yeah, the whole third act stuff. I think that stuff stays in my memory a little bit more than the beginning part of the movie. I, I struggle to remember the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. specifically, but I definitely saw the movies and, 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 and likely only saw a few episodes of the cartoon. Oh, interesting. Were you, were you a kid when you first saw the movie? Or yeah. You... Oh, I was probably six years old when I saw the oh, first yeah. movie. Yeah, I was young. Yeah. I mean, I saw Conan the Barbarian, I think, at six. So, <laughs> and Terminator at seven or something. Yeah, so I, my parents weren't too bashful about letting me see movies. Yeah, so I, I I saw I saw Terminator the Terminator movies in RoboCop at a very young age, yeah. like probably yeah. around six. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. I mean, it was a routine that I would come home from kindergarten because it's a half day, yeah. and I would watch the animated Sword in the Stone, and then Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, every day. <laughs> wow. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's in you know the theory of steel is <laughs> Conan, <laughs> it's it's there. But you know I don't want to take from Ghostbusters. Yeah. I, I certainly enjoyed Ghostbusters very much. I thought it was great. I thought it was very funny. And as a kid, you're like, well, this is really, it's cool. You know, it's, it's a fun story to follow. Right. I would have to say that for me, one of those movies that I watched every day that you were just describing, I think Ghostbusters right. was one of mine oh, at some point, like that's... after the cartoon. Like I, I do remember having that on so, so much. And it's weird that you mentioned Kyle not remembering like some of the beginning of it because that was sort of, I, I remember a, a lot of the beginning, but it, my, my vivid memories of the movie don't really kick in until, like, they're sort of, like, suited up and have the proton packs right. and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, like, all that right. iconic stuff that, you know, sort of translated over to yeah. the toys and the cartoon. I guess the, like, the hotel, like, Slimer sequence, like, I've, I've yeah. probably I've watched Absolutely. that, like, dozens of times in my life just because that is sort of, like, the whole concepts in the whole hook in like one yeah it's just still yeah it's just still down to that sequence yep and of course slimer was like a featured character (laughs) in the cartoon right he was like a sort of like a pet or something yeah he was was like a good sidekick which also was another confusing point right john like yeah why is he bad in the yeah (laughs) he doesn't talk he's he's so mean why are they being so (laughs) slimer Yeah, and you know what, too? It's weird, Kyle, that you say that you remember it like being funny. Watching it again before we recorded, I'm, of course, now that I'm older, I'm struck by how funny it is. When I was right. watching it when I was little, it was like serious business. 
Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of the humor is lost on you because, like, you get your, like, little idiot child brain hooks and sort of, like, we're hunting ghosts. Like, this is serious. Like, these guys are, like, superheroes. Yeah. Well, like, a funny thing is that, like, as you get older, when you hear interviews with Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd, they refer to it as a comedy. Yeah. You know, and it's like a comedy, you know, and like when it came out, that was the pitch. It wasn't cross the streams. I mean, this is this is life or death. It's and I think I think people generally refer to it as like an uh, horror comedy or action comedy or something like that. And it is. It's just weird to think of it in those terms. So you're right, Rob. It's like a fantasy movie first. That's a really interesting point. And I I think that's what uh, I want to kick off our second segment with, because I think not only our experience with it, watching it very young and then being older, but I think in the context of a lot of popular movies now, Ghostbusters is sort of like this weird tonal miracle where it achieves Mm. so many things at once and is uh, successful at all those things. So before we get into that, I think we're going to break for our first drink intermission. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll be back right after this. Ghostbusters as a sort of genre-bending miracle and the different contexts that our generation experience or, or the contextual shift that our generation experiences growing up with it very young and then watching it again and uh, Kyle I believe you had something addressing that right before we broke. Yes I did so it's interesting as a kid we think don't cross the streams empty your mind, it's exciting, it's tense, it's all these things. And then, and then, you, and then so Rob, you brought up the hotel scene a few minutes ago, and we're pseudo-adults, right? We're, we're, we're kind of getting to be full-blown adults, and you think about, so what is this movie, and what are these scenes, and what's the satire that they're hitting at? And so to me, as a kid, I see the hotel scene, and I think, oh, that's really funny, and it's all, all the rich people are, are so put off, and they don't know what to do with themselves. But now as an adult, I see the scene and I go, that's interesting. So rich people had a problem. And who did they call? Well, they called the Ghostbusters. But then you also think, well, whenever you have a problem, it's almost like the plumber. You don't want to associate yourselves with them, but you really need them when there's a problem. And it's almost like, is Harold Ramis and were those guys trying to draw that out? Like, you've got all these rich people. Thank you for solving our problem. Now, please go away. And then they kind of push them out the door. I don't know. I don't know that it was that deep, but I know, I mean, like, when you say, when you bring up the comparison to the plumber, I know that, like, I don't know if I saw this in an interview or, like, the production notes that came with the DVD, but, like, part of the original concept was, was that these guys were supposed to be exterminators, right? It was supposed to be, like, a right. job. It's supposed to be a very dirty, lowly, right. crappy job that nobody wants to do. That's where part of the joke came from, you know, the humor came from, that, like, uh, this fucking ghost we got to deal with. So I think that's definitely part of it. Right. Yeah, I see what Kyle's saying there, and there there definitely is a sort of a subtext, especially in that scene. And sort of, like, I would say that thread's carried out even more towards the end, where, you know, they're sort of, like, in the mayor's office, and, you know, they're mm. going to be thrown in jail as sort of, like, frauds and, you know, people right. who have dangered you know, life in New York with with these these strange, you know, practices and, and right. technology or whatever. And they're sort of, like, painted as kooks, but it's, like, the, the kooks that, like, save the day. But I do really like sort of, like, that blue-collar angle that they also have going where it's right there. I think John hit it on the head, and it, it reminded me of it, too. Even their jumpsuits, their beige jumpsuits, they do feel right. like exterminators. And, right. um, yeah, it, it's really... It's really interesting watching it now with sort of mature eyes. It, I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I should say, watching it yesterday again, I, I kept thinking, like, what, is this a take on this genre? Is this, like, making fun of something? Because mm-hmm. it's still very much convincingly 
like a genre piece like those special effects at the time and the budget my god you'll never see like i guess like uh this is the end is the only the only like recent example of like a really really high budget comedy with genre stuff yeah you know, okay you know what i mean like i i yeah it was big i don't back then. think uh, yeah i mean what I was the budget uh that's a really good question um it was i mean it was something ridiculously low by today's standards maybe a million no so the production budget for like the early 80s was 30 million which is a really high yeah that's bad i I watched the abyss last night and i I think that was that was a couple years later and um it. it was I think that production budget was like sixty nine or something. Like that's James Cameron, though, right? Yeah, it's James. Yeah, but you watch that movie today, and you're still you're not held back by it. It's like no, Jurassic Park. A lot, not of, let a lot of it holds up. A lot of it in holds any up. way. There are a couple. Yeah. There are a couple of parts that don't hold up, but there are. Right, are we are does. we back in? Oh, this back is in Ghostbusters. Stuff. Back in Ghostbusters. It's so weird to watch now because not only do our movies not made this kind of movie is not made anymore but also it's successful as a comedy but it's also successful in a weird sort of like adventure yeah. horror way as well it, where i would i would think i mean john you, you sound a little more versed in sort of like the interviews and, and behind the scenes stuff i think yeah. this was supposed to be sort of like like a take it's supposed on, to be a comedy yeah like well like a parody well, right of like the genre but i think it's convincingly that genre i think what it was supposed to be was if you go back to like abbott and costello meet the mummy Mm -hmm. in those weird hybrids of horror and comedy i I think that that's what dan Aykroyd said that it was based on was that type of premise right but yeah i mean it was supposed to be a comedy with this extra little angle put in it and you know in terms of the cartoon show and the toys and everything that came from it nowadays a movie like that gets made it's a franchise right it's planned to be a franchise with all this merchandise spinoff they didn't plan on any of that you know it was this was initially planned as just a one-shot comedy movie and then it was like hey we can make toys and we can make a saturday morning cartoon show out of this Right. The, the vast majority of the movies that these guys made, this group made, were all one time. It wasn't a series yeah. of movies. Yeah, they made right. one movie, they moved to the next. Uh, so I hear what you're saying, Johnny. Yeah. And, and this is also in the days before, with the exception of Star Wars, of course. Right. These were in the days before franchises and trilogies. and Right. Know. Or Planet of the Apes was a, another exception. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. vast majority of But I mean, like, you had a, you had a handful or, of them. Yeah, just a handful. Yeah, it, w- it, it wasn't plan. Uh, it wasn't like a studio sort of priority to make every film like a shot at a, at a franchise, which we see all right. the time now. I think I, I know I just mentioned this is the end as sort of like yes. a, a modern sort of like attempt at a Ghostbusters, uh, maybe mm-hmm. even leaning even more heavily towards comedy. I think in in this is the end, but I think in terms of its genre elements, like special effects and sort of like the kind of scary moments and all that stuff. I think the closest that we've seen, you know, after Ghostbusters is sort of like juggling the fact that it's kind of a take on a genre, but is also convincingly sort of like a a genre is like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, disagree with me if you want, where, you know, it it kind of starts off as a parody of Mm -hmm. horror, but then eventually it's sort of like, oh, this actually is kind of horror. It's just that it's kind of funny, too. Right. So th- hmm. that was the only other example of this kind of like, as I said, this like tonal miracle that uh, that Ghostbusters effortlessly achieves. I mean, you can tell just in the first like couple minutes that it's going to be scary and it's going to be funny. Mm-hmm. And I still think it's the best example of that. And I don't think we get that ever anymore, ever. Buffy, yeah. Buffy is the closest thing I can think of. I struggle to find a different example. I think yeah. you're right. It's a rare occurrence of like that inspiration that Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis had where it's it's just these weird things coming together that make this perfect combination. Because I think another part of it, too, was that Harold Ramis, back then, Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd are big comedy guys. Right. And then you, know, you combine that comedy talent. You know, Dan Aykroyd, his whole family is big into like poltergeists and, you know, right. they have this... Dan Aykroyd supposedly grew up in this uh, farmhouse that had a ghost, and he was very 
I don't know how much. I think he's a little bit of a believer in it, but I think more than anything, he had this interest in paranormal activity and and people seeing ghosts. And I think that might be where some of the parody is coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sort of drawing on that base and then um, adding in this whole exterminator angle to it. And then you get that, right. you get Ghostbusters, which is this perfect, you know, combined with, you know, all the other actors yeah. of it, you get this perfect, right. so, perfect storm. Right, exactly. And, like, I do remember, you know, watching it again, I do as a child remember the points that scared me, like the, the librarian ghost in the beginning when it sort of like, right. jumps out and becomes like this skeletal yeah. sort of yes. puppet thing is very scary. When, is it Lewis? <clears throat> yes. When Lewis, like, yeah, Lewis can't, can't escape the big hound thing and sort of like yeah. squeakily sort of like get the glass. I, I remember I feeling I <laughs> that's like my very first memory of genuine dread. You know what I mean? Like okay. that was, it's such a visceral moment. And now I watch it now and I'm like, this is so kind of funny. But I still have that, like, what, that echo you know of, a, of a memory. I don't. Oddly enough, like I was much younger when I saw the first one. I, I must have been like four and change when I saw the first one. When the second one came out oh. in '89, I was five. Yeah, and that was the first movie that I saw in the theater. But I, I remember being more scared. I um, yeah at the just the sequence where uh, Janos, the funny little yeah. French-ish guy, comes. He's like, for some unknown reason, which they never explain, he comes dressed up as this, like, Korean era nanny. Sure. And he's got, like, this wig on, and he's in the stroller, and this giant ghost hand comes out and grabs the baby off the ledge. And you're right. When you watch it as an adult, it's completely silly, and it makes no goddamn sense. But I remember being really scared at that, just because maybe it was the fact that it's this ghost that's flying around in the night that's abducting small kids. Yeah. But I remember, like, when I look back on the the two Ghostbusters movie, that one probably scared me the most. Ghostbusters 2, like, traumatized me. Like, there there was no, there was no, like, laughing or adventure to to Ghostbusters 2 for me. Because I remember, I remember John too. It was one of my first visits to the theater too, because yeah. I was such a Ghostbusters fan, and I was yeah. so so excited to see this movie. I know, remember a specific angle where he sort of forget the villain's name, but he sort of like starts to come out Ego. of the painting a little bit. Yeah, Ego. That terrified Zots. me, and I I ran screaming out of the theater. But I Ooh. didn't. I wouldn't like let my father like take me home because I was so like devastated that I wasn't watching wow. the movie, and I just had like this weird like the four year old like panic attack at the theater where I was like, yeah. I want to love this movie so much, but it is scaring the shit out of me, and yeah. uh, right. it's it's like it's one of my earliest memories too, where it's another <laughs> Ghostbusters memory. But it it didn't. It, I don't know. The the first Ghostbusters is, is just seems gentler and. Um, Still convincing and funny and great and scary, but Ghostbusters, yeah. just something about Ghostbusters too that was that crossed the line or something. I, I don't know. That that that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. I enjoyed part two. Did I you? enjoyed part two. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I definitely I think typically two. Ghostbusters two gets a bad rap. That like, oh, it, the first one was good, but the second one sucked. I I, yeah. I I would definitely agree that the second one wasn't as good as the first one because yeah. I, I think that the. The first one hit the genre and you know hit the concept a little bit more on the head. Yeah. But the second, it wasn't bad. It wasn't. It wasn't a bad sequel. You know, it had for good the energy. It, I mean, it flowed. There yeah. was never you didn't you weren't tired at a part of the movie. It's not like you sat around saying, "Are we done yet?" You mean, it, it wasn't four hours long. It hit all the right spots. Yeah. It had some it science to it. I mean, they made a toaster dance. Yeah, that's great. That's just made a toaster was awesome. dance. They made the Statue of Liberty walk. Ugh. Right, I, yeah. I don't know. Right, <laughs> and not crumble to pieces. <laughs> right, and the plaster so didn't, or the copper didn't crumble up. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> and to be clear, too, to contextualize this sort of shift, uh, Harold Ramis did write Ghostbusters two as well, and I haven't revisited it recently. But as far as memory serves, and maybe this is trauma sort of creeping, <laughs> but uh, it is not as successful as as the first. Oh yeah, sure. No, that's. Yeah. I, I mean, it's yeah. It's okay. Uh, you know, but so I think of a scene in, in part two, and maybe Ramis meant this or maybe he didn't. Maybe he just wrote it because it was part of the plot. But so they have to go down into the into the uh, sewer yeah. to get the slime, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
Tell me slide. any one of like, can the three of us go get some equipment, open up a manhole, <laughs> put some cones out, and lower ourselves. Well, down. they end up getting arrested for that. All right, but for a while, nobody gave them trouble, right? Right, because they acted like they belonged there. <laughs> They so right, they acted. Hey, I got a hundred pounds of cable out here. You're gonna come up here and rub my exactly, like this, right? So you think about it in real life, and I have to deal with this in my job. If you, it's very interesting. If you act like you belong there, yeah, and like this, they is had your, the proper right, costumes. Right, you're you're part of the, you're part of it. Nobody's yeah. gonna give you any shit. I mean, it's just gonna be. Oh, he knows what he's doing. He, the, he's clearly not lost. He, he's working. He's working something in the sewer. I got a hundred lines of cable out here. You're going to do something? So, I don't hey, know. Maybe you check your con ed. You're not with them either. So, tell me another one. <laughs> I, I think that I think they wrote this story pretty good. You know, I I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's I enjoyed like, it some of the more recent movies coming out. You mean other movies in general, not like... Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were no, alluding, no. To, alluding to something specific. Oh, no, yeah. I'm okay. sorry. I meant uh, specifically just uh, some general. of the movies coming out these days. They right. just don't... Up. Right. Yeah. And and that's just us dating back to anything in our youth is better than now kind of thing. It could and be. nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, nostalgia. Could be. It could be that. But I mean, that's a great sort of not to completely wrap this up, but maybe this segment. It's a yeah. great thought that you bring up because so many times we revisit stuff from our childhood, and we're like, I can't believe I ever even sat through this. <laughs> but Ghostbusters, <laughs> the first film in particular, I mean, I watched it, it, it felt like it was like 20 minutes to me, you know, it, it was just, yeah. you know, just a joyful, yeah, I had that too. joyful the romp run? the whole way the through. It's, the it's like, a hundred, it's like uh, an hour and 44 yeah. minutes or something. Okay, yeah. okay, that's a decent time. Yeah. Well, plus, going back and watching it as an adult, I realized like, you know, obviously when you watch it as a kid, you get a kick out of all the ghost busting sure. and the action parts. Sure, when it's you cool go back, the beams, it, it works. Yeah, like, and when you go back and watch it as an adult, you pick up on a lot, like all the humor, like all, mostly, yeah. almost all the Bill Murray stuff. Mm -hmm. Like right. in the beginning, when he's <laughs> he's just <laughs> trying to Bill get Murray, laid. He's, that's like, all he's trying to do. That, <laughs> that opening, like ESP scene, like is hilarious. Yeah, it's and cool. like I, I remember, I don't think of all the times. And dozens of times that I watched it as a as a child, I don't think I ever laughed at Ghostbusters. You know what I yeah, mean? Uh, and I, and I like belly laughed my way through it as an adult yeah. watching it because you know you just have that sort of perspective now. But you're yeah. right. You're you're absolutely right, John. Let's t tie it up right there for our second segment, and when we'll come back, we'll do uh, we'll do final thoughts, and then uh, we have a little game that we want to play in uh, mm -hmm. Harold Ramis's memory to show what a body of work that he's left for us. And then we'll wrap up the episode, so we'll be right back. Giddy up. Are you a god? No. Then... Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say... Yes! And we're back, and uh, to wrap up our revisiting of the iconic Ghostbusters, let's just get a few final thoughts going around. Kyle, let's start with you. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Rob. So my final thoughts on Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, Ghostbusters, what they established are, what did you do, Ray? What did you do? <laughs> and it's so applicable in life. Just that one quote in in any <laughs> scenario where your buddies are standing around and one of them just does something really, it's just a stupid decision <laughs> or they say something really just wrong. And you can look at them and you can just say, what did you do, Ray? And everybody try, gets it. Everybody gets it. Think of the most harmless thing possible. The most harmless thing possible. What are you talking about? I, I, I cleared my mind. I just so fluffy. No. It's just applicable, no matter what your age. I, they it, and I work with some younger people, and they get it too. So the movie stands the test of time. That that it, it's it's come into our culture. Yeah, and that's agreed. my sum. Agreed. I, I would say that let's do some ratings, but I, I I feel like this sort of surpasses ratings. Like it's yeah, not it's necessarily. A, it's, a, it's a classic. It's a classic, and yeah. it doesn't it doesn't deserve ratings. So and nobody's nobody nobody here is giving it a two. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give it two 
slimed Peter Beckman's. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Kyle. Uh, I think you're absolutely right, and uh, we're on the same page there. John, let's go to you. Final thoughts on Ghostbusters. Well, I mean, this is a movie that was the first thing that I got into ever. Like, right. the first thing that I became a fan of, the first geeky thing, if you will, that, that, that got me into, you know, Ghostbusters led to Ninja Turtles, led to Batman, and so on and so on. So this is a movie that is very near and dear to my heart. And it's a rare movie that, that you know... You're obsessed with it as a kid for one reason, and then you enjoy it on a multitude of different levels as an adult. It's just as good every time you watch it. You know, it's a movie that I make a point to watch at least once a year. I mean, I would I would put it in my maybe my top five wow. movies of all time, top five, top yeah. ten. I mean, having known him for yeah. more than half of my life, I can attest to the love of this movie that Johnny yeah. has. I feel like I, I've not known John quite as long, but I, I, I feel like I could have made that guess too. Like I feel like it's come up enough that that I could tell that like this. Uh, I am Peter Venkman. <laughs> yeah, th- this is like this movie is latched on permanently to his heart and brain. So I agree. Like rewatching, I hadn't watched it in a very long time, over a decade, and I just rewatched it yesterday, and it is as delightful. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe part of why this movie has remained so rewarding, particularly to our generation, is sort of the reasons we were talking about it being sort of successful on many levels. Like, we enjoyed it in our youth as sort of like a horror adventure, and as we grow and become more mature, we start to see some of the satire, some of the humor and some of the winks that it's doing. So it remains, we're constantly peeling back the layers of how good this movie is. And they're always great. You know, there's yeah. not there's not really a, a failing sort of angle that it, it, it goes for. And I had a blast rewatching again, the Slimer sequence in the hotel, I think is <laughs> just one of the best from my childhood. It, it may be just, if I had to pick like entertaining, just sort of like, I don't know, set pieces. <laughs> uh, I, it, it would be up there. And, you know, even all the stuff with Gozer at the end. Uh, <laughs> it's so, so weird, too, man. That's yeah, it, it's out there, man. It's so out there. Yeah. And just transcends all the genres that it's going for. And it's, like I said, this weird little miracle that I think is one of the Excellent few... Excellent One of the few 80s movies that has persevered and remains... Sure remains great it's a gem mm, sure. and uh of course we have ivan reitman the director to thank for that bill murray is is one it's one of his best roles i think and of course uh, we haven't mentioned dan Aykroyd, but he also wrote it with harold ramus he gets props but how harold ramus is great as egon and the, the script is amazing and and i would say probably one of the top reasons why it's so great i mean that all yeah. that tone and stuff you got a nail on the page before you before you convince anyone to even make it. So, yeah, I, I, I would say of the Harold Ramis movies, might be my favorite, might be my favorite one. But, John, I understand so, you have a little... Excellent little, transition. A little bit, there, because uh, yes. as much as we want to celebrate Ghostbusters, we do want to take a couple minutes and just sort of shine a spotlight in a very fun way of how many movies he's actually contributed right. to, not only as a writer, but he mm-hmm. directed and he acted in uh, a number of different movies. So, John, yes. do you want to just give us a quick rundown of what we're going to do? Yeah. All right. So, you know, as I was looking over Harold Remus's IMDb page, there's a lot of movies that, you know, he acted in a lot of them. He wrote in a lot of them. He directed a lot of them. He wrote and directed a lot of them. He, he acted and wrote in a lot of them. So there's a lot of different combinations and, you know, a lot of different roles that he played. You know, I thought it would be a fun game to try and list a bunch of movie titles and guess which, you know, what role he had in them. So the way that the game works is I'm going to give a movie title mm-hmm. and you guys will guess what his role was. If he was the director, the writer, or an actor. Right. And I'm going to keep what score. I've done now, is I've, I don't know the answers. No, yes. So everybody out there in the world... Is aware. Yes, Kyle. Kyle is in the same room with me, but he do not he has not answers. seen any answers. Okay, so Kyle's going to keep score and to clarify for all the titles that you name, 
Harold Ramis only had one role, correct? He wasn't like writer, director, or like writer, actor. Right, no combinations, okay. just single, okay. single, single role. <laughs> Kyle being our guest, I will ask him first. He goes first, okay. All right, Kyle. In the film National Lampoon's Vacation, okay. what was Harold Ramis's credit? Wrote. That's incorrect. He was the director. Wow. Director. I didn't that was know that. His second, second film. Wow. I second directorial he debut. He directed the first vacation. Wow. I didn't know yes. that. Yes. I did not yep. know that. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. All right, Rob. Yes. The 1980s classic starring Bill Murray, Meatballs. I'm going to say he directed that. Ooh. He was the writer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the Look at that. Flip so flop right We yeah. are at uh, nil on the score. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Keep it going. <laughs> okay. Kyle. You. The 1990s film Airheads, starring Brendan Fraser, Adam Sandler, and Steve oh, Buscemi. Oh, a long-haired Steve Buscemi. Solid movie. Oh, I have to guess. So, <laughs> also, we're not just fact. asking you your opinion. Of the movie. <laughs> I know, right? I'm just reminiscing. <laughs> so, yeah, all right, all right. Airheads. Ooh. If he directed the movie, he would have done a better job at the movie. <laughs> so I'm going to go with he wrote the movie and... Wait, what are my three choices? Acted, wrote, or directed? Yeah. yeah. Acted, wrote, or directed. I don't remember him in that movie, so I'm going to go wrote. Nope. Acted. He acted Correct. in that movie. Correct. Because oh, if he wrote the movie, <laughs> it would have been badass. And if he directed the movie, it would have been badass it was it was very deceptive because he had a very brief cameo and it was the type of cameo that you would assume if he's directing it eh, i'll put myself in for this quick sure bit. so and now i'll give everybody in the listening world credit that i did late give three two fake answers before the final yeah, <laughs> but i i'm but on I the edge did, of my couch but, over here but, if you got that just right or not. didn't ask me if that was my final answer yeah right 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 so yeah, yeah well. you, you seemed like you were still thinking. So I, <laughs> I was working through the, the logic, out and I'm using a pencil. Oh, and I'm wow. using a, a mechanical pencil so I can erase whatever <laughs> I wrote. <laughs> All right, Rob. Yep. The 1990s film Multiplicity, starring Michael Keaton, or Just Michael Keaton. Just my Pappy Steve. Michael Keaton. I, I think he directed that movie. Correct. Nice. Yes. All right, Kyle. 1980s film starring Rodney Dangerfield and a very and also a very young Robert Downey Jr. in a supporting role. Oh yeah. Uh, back to school. Back to school. I love that movie. Straight up love that movie. I can't say that enough. <laughs> <sighs> he directed. Is he right? I say, is he right? I don't know. He directed yeah, he it. I hope he wrote it. He wrote it. I was wrong. Nice. Uh, nice. That's a classic. Uh, that was a quote from uh, the great Sam Kinison. Yes, he was. Look that up on YouTube. It, oh, Sam that there. that part of the movie, and he's like, "Do you want the truth? Tell me. I know. Tell me. Tell me. Believe that. Okay. He All rips right. the desk apart. He throws it at somebody. It's great. <laughs> okay, Rob. Mm-hmm. The 2002 film starring Colin Hanks and Jack Black, Orange oh County. My gosh. Right? Do you remember that? We were young. I I've seen this movie. Um, oh, yeah. and I'm gonna say he directed it. Oh wait, thinking out loud. Uh, uh, okay, it's okay. I'm gonna say he actually appeared in it and acted in it. Correct. Yes. Very good scene. <laughs> and Rob takes wow. the lead. Wow. This is the tight right. contest, folks. I would say look that. that that's a great scene. Isn't he a professor or something in that movie? He's the dean. He's no, the dean. The dean. Right. Yeah. 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 Takes yeah. or something by yes. my mistake. Okay. And, I'm going to watch Back to School when I get back home. <laughs> I love that movie. You are my same height. That is very cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that scene in that movie where uh, in the beginning, Colin Hanks like barges in on Jack Black. And he's oh. like, someone's coming over. Like, a, a, a university representative is coming over. It's like, I want you to stay in here. And Jack Black is like, why? <laughs> he's like, because you're embarrassing. And he just shuts the door. <laughs> <laughs> and I am a huge fan of Jack Black and Kyle Gass. So, yeah. yeah I totally. mean, yeah. Okay. That's a great movie. All right. Back to the 80s. Bring it back. Animal House. Animal House. We all know Animal House. Mm-hmm. Animal House. Animal House. I have an inkling. What do I look like? Whose turn is it? It's Kyle's turn. Right. Kyle. Animal House. I know. Animal House came out in like 80, 
three-ish time frame. I think he wrote. In Correct. Ugh. First I was worried there. Questions are too hard. Now I'm wondering if they're too easy. All right. Well, now they're, what are we, 2-2 two, two right now? So if you get this correct, you're still up. But okay. yes, right now it's 2-2. Two to two. Okay, all right. But you have the sake of going second. All so right. we're, we're at, you're on the, this is question number eight. All right. Let's do it. Okay. The Dazzled Rob. Wow. Oh, I didn't know this. Brendan Fraser, oh Elizabeth gosh. Hurley. I, I mean, um, Elizabeth Hurley does a nice, Jesus. She plays a nice role. That smacks of being directed by Harold Ramis. God damn it, that's correct. Yes! <laughs> Three to two. <laughs> All right, Kyle, this one might be a little bit of a curveball. Good. Right. Good. I know Rob knows the answer, but Ice Harvest. Oh, I've never heard of that movie. This is What movie is that? It's one of his, I think it's one of his last movies that he's involved in, but it's one of my what favorites. What year is that movie? Not, it's, it's what like are we talking about? 2006, I think. Who is in it? Can I get a can I get a hint? Can okay. I can I call on the audience? The I need lead, a lifeline. I'll give you the lead character is John Cusack. Okay. Is it Billy Bob Thornton in it too? Yes. I was reading about this and I read that they couldn't come to agreement, so I think he wrote this. Directed it. Directed yeah. it. <laughs> Wrong. That's it. Boom. Roberto wins no matter what. Boom. All right, Rob, you got to go for this, because technically if you get it wrong, your margin of winning is lower. Well, I have... Well, are they, like, more points at the end here? Well, every correct answer is crossed out by a wrong answer, so in the end, I'm going to, you know, net net win here. Right. Net win. Okay, Rob. This one's this one's a little bit of a tough one. Okay. Caddyshack 2. Ugh. Not Caddyshack 1, not the original, which was Harold Ramis' directorial debut. Caddy, the classic, Caddyshack 2. That's really tough. I don't think that he directed it, but as the former director, I'm going to say that he wrote it. Johnny? That's correct. Yes. Wow. 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 Yeah. Wow. Yes. Written wow. by and a character's... That's the bee's right knees right there. Yeah. I thought maybe it was a cameo situation, but no. I think he contributed to the script. So, in summary, myself, Kyle, I got two correct and three wrong for a score of negative one. Well, <laughs> Rob got four correct and one wrong for a score of positive three. Good job, man. Thank you. You really know. Well I'm, I'm having a really good like run of, of Tisby games. Yeah, yeah, you know I, your I, I won the box office, and then I won the, the New Year. Okay. Thing, and then I won this. So, man, I'm, I'm like... That's a hat trick. For you've a got a streak. I got a streak going right now. Yeah, you've got. Yeah, you got. You got. You got to defend this. Yeah, this is good. Too. Well, I, I hope that that game and and John, thank you very much for for throwing that together unexpectedly. I thought that was great and it, it, such a great uh-huh. way to show the breadth of this man's work. Who? Yeah. I mean, more often than not, contributed to like really iconic stuff. I mean, Caddyshack does not really <laughs> resonate with our generation as much, but like. Dads around the world. It does with me. I, I mean, only. Well, you're I, an old man. I don't. I don't know. I, don't know. I love Caddyshack because you know I'm maybe not so much nowadays, but you know I'm uh, I'm pretty big into golf, and you know that's a movie that you know it's true. My dad was really into, and, and it was a movie that I sort of grow up watching, seeing bits here and there. So I mean, that's that's another great. Isn't one. Judge Reinhold in that movie, Caddyshack? No. All right, I'm trying to think of the characters. Well, I mean, it was a little while ago. I don't know all my characters. There's a, there's a character that is a judge. Man. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. I tried to, who, oh, I don't know the name of the young guy that is like the judge's uh, aide, personal aide. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He's got like the brown curly hair. He never really did anything with his life after that movie. Uh, I would I would recommend both of you, if you haven't, I don't know, John, I don't know if you have, but uh, watch The Ice Harvest, because uh, after mm-hmm. Ghostbusters, uh, my favorite Harold Ramis movie, and kind of unlike all his other movies. It's, it's kind of a hard noir movie that's very funny. Uh, and it is streaming on Netflix. So, oh, well. Uh, well, I'm glad that we were able to come together and uh, celebrate Harold Ramis. That was uh, very fun and uh, we'll miss his, his talent in, in Hollywood. So thank you for both of you for con- contributing there. That was, that was a lot of fun. But we are going to wrap up this episode like we wrap up every episode with a segment we call Geek of the Week, 
where we just talk about anything in the past week that we've been watching, playing, reading, listening to, crocheting, basketball, <laughs> whatever the case may be. And uh, let's start with John, I think, this time. John A. I don't know if I've uh, mentioned this on uh, previous Geek of the Week, but I've been watching a lot of Sopranos lately. Uh-huh. Interesting. I've, I've been, what have been, like with the HBO Go, I've been streaming that on the iPad as I do work. Oh so it's like I'm able to like, I'm able to do work on the computer and also have the, the visuals off on another screen. And yeah, I, I have been burning through them like, like in one sitting going through like three, depending on, you know, if it's in the middle of the, the day, I'll go through four, but it's yeah. just burn them. And they're so great. Yeah. I mean, right now I'm only I'm almost done season three. Oh, um, wow. So you still got three years ago. Yeah. Well, it's, it's binge watching. Yeah, you're gonna it's clear just, through. It's just great. It's yeah, it's the best. I forgot like what technology. I think I was testing a Chromecast over. Um, oh, wow. Over uh, Christmas break at my parents' house, and I was like, "Oh, I'll just throw on like Sopranos," just. You know, to watch like five minutes of it, see how it looks. And I ended up watching like three seasons over Hollywood <laughs> just because I was like, this is awesome. And I, yeah, and I have to watch it. all of it. Yeah. And it is really yeah. that moment where television like got better. You know what I mean? Like oh. the golden age and, of television. Okay. I think it, it, I mean, there's, I don't know if there's a lot of debate about it, but it's clearly, clearly. Like I can't, yeah, I can't think of another yeah. show. Very few people give that negative yeah. press. Right. Yeah. Well, Except uh, maybe like the last season. That's, yeah, I mean, well, what what TV series has ended it well? So Cheers, Cheers had a very good last episode. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld, no. Mm-hmm. Mash had a wonderful mm-hmm. ending. Mm-hmm. But but those shows are from the seventies. Yeah. And, and 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 other than that, you know, recent times it's it's hard to end a series. People come become yeah. so invested in it. It's very hard to end. A, yeah. a, a long-running television oh. show. I would I would argue that the weirdness of the Sopranos finale has sort of like worn off over time, and now it's it's sort of badass. Like, yeah, I'm I feel like, like I feel like it's more celebrated now than it was when it first happened. Like I, I feel like right. people have so, slowly come around to how it ended. Yeah, I'm and, I'm anxious to get to that point, and, and especially in the context of watching everything so compressed, sure, and yeah. one after the other. And plus, I feel like my my sort of aesthetic has evolved a little bit since I first saw it. So I'm a little, you know, I feel like I'm a little bit more educated. I'm a little wiser. So I'm anxious to see how it plays Cool. now. Very cool. Yeah, the other thing I want to give a super quick mention to is that uh, when Kyle came, he came bearing a pretty awesome home theater sound system uh, for me. So <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so Johnny didn't know I was coming to it was a surprise uh, visit. visit. I oh, wow. literally I showed up at eleven fifteen at night on a Friday night, and uh, uh, Mac Daddy <laughs> let me in. Well, you know, she let me in, and uh, all of a sudden I yell, "Special delivery for Mr. Strong! I have a package here that needs to be signed." And, and he doesn't know I'm here, yeah. so all right, your turn, Johnny. So John loads his shotgun and goes. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, uh, this morning after we get the sound system hooked up, we watch the Godzilla trailer. And, uh, you know, this yeah. sound system has, like, 3D sound. And, you know, for an apartment building, we put the sound up maybe a little bit louder than we should. But, I mean, like, the Godzilla trailer, the God, as awesome as it was, it was so much more epic and awesome with this sound system when you could hear all, like, the bass hits and the, the helicopter sounds. And it made me very, very excited to go see Godzilla right. when it comes out. The response to the Godzilla trailer has been pretty positive i have to say in with, me out. with a with a, a pang of shame that i have not watched it yet so maybe, oh. maybe after after this podcast <laughs> I don't know, I'm, usually, I'm usually like right on top of those things this is a weird week where where uh I, I for some reason i just uh skipped the godzilla trailer i don't know Dude, i don't know do i need I'm, to bring I'm a soundbar i'm off my game to you you know yeah exactly yeah. i think kyle we should become better friends and uh, <laughs> On it takes birth, years. On my birthday. <laughs> Johnny's well, we got better it. start now. He's in, you know. He's in for 16. Oh, jeez. It's the 16th. The sterling anniversary. The, the sound system anniversary. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, well let's uh, let's go over to Kyle then for his very first Geek of the Week. So I am, I'm a sound connoisseur, as uh, Johnny alluded to. So for my past week, I have been focused on finding the right sound system for his lifestyle and the needs of his, <laughs> him and his wife, uh, who I've also known for a very long time. So I visited several outlets, setting up and blasting various music, um, <laughs> despite the other consumers looking at me saying, why are you blasting that? Because I need to give this a full gambit so that when I do deliver the goods, it was the right fit. Right. And there was a little bit of bargaining and a little bit of haggling, but in the end, cash won. <laughs> cash was king. And I got what we needed. And um, aside from that, the week was pretty good. Just typical work stuff. Nothing fancy. Um, and you had a bit of a road trip. I had a road trip. It's interesting. So Friday morning, I woke up and four people called me and said, are you sure you're going to go on a road trip right now? And I said, what are you talking about? It's it's Rhode Island. It's Massachusetts. I, I live there. I, what are you and they go, there's some sort of, I guess there's some sort of uh, storm from hell that's coming back to the area. Right. Yeah, well, we, we, that's nothing new. We've and, been getting storms right? from hell. So I said to them, I don't think you understand. My buddy turned 30. How many times do you turn 30 in your life? <laughs> and I got something burning in my trunk that I got to deliver. <laughs> and it's going to happen. So I, I, that was my all week. I've been, and I, I set this up in my house as part of pseudo quality control. I didn't want to deliver something that I wasn't I impressed with myself. So for the whole week, I've been rocking out to some some is, air in and whatnot. Oh, uh, the sound bar. Yeah, this is it's like a such a, a sensitive like gift purchase. I, I picture you like walking around Best Buy with like a plaster. <laughs> mold of john's head and just sort of like, <laughs> sort of like pivoting it towards different and like testing like the aerodynamics of like his ears and stuff and like figuring Almost. out like what works the best so I, I i pictured which music he would listen to because we do listen to different music uh -huh. and so i had to play different genres to get a feel for it and i actually ended up going to a place called worldwide stereo which is in, in the town that I live in. Their, their world headquarters is in my town. I didn't go to a Best Buy. So I got Klipsch. Johnny's hooked up with a Klipsch soundbar, a subwoofer, and uh, it goes. Well, it, I, it, it cooks. I look forward to when I visit back east. Maybe John will let me in on some of the, the sweet audio bombardment. We'll watch Dark Hunters. Yes. Well, that's a, so that was my big thing, sound. Like the most Sound. heartwarming <laughs> geek of the week. Oh, I, I say I that with it. Jeff announcing it's his it's fucking it's engagement it's last week. Uh, but <laughs> one of the most heartwarming geek of the weeks we've had. Maybe maybe just below Jeff's engagement <laughs> he announced yeah. last week. Um, yeah, I mean, you, right? I, what, what else do I have to do with my time? I got no kids. My wife works a lot. I work. I'm gonna think about. I'm gonna think about Johnny and you know my yeah. my upcoming trip and how I can. Uh, Oh, and so my dad says to me, so my dad went in on the gift too. He's known, known him a long time and my wife too. And uh, my dad goes, so uh, are you sure you're buying him a good enough sound? Because if you need to, just just get whatever he needs. Spend, <laughs> spend whatever you need. I think I know him. what I need. <laughs> I, 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 I tell I my have... dad, right? My dad's in Hawaii. I go, dad, I, it's going to be all right. I like you know, he lives in an apartment. We can't give him a 1,000-watt sound system, right? <laughs> we just need the cops showing up. He's right? got a Marshall like, stack. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. 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 We don't need preamps and amps and uh, floor-standing speakers. We just we need something that's going to work, and uh, I, I put in my research. Yeah. So my dad was really invested. He's like, just don't, don't buy him something crap. Get him something good. So, yeah, we really geeked out on it all week. Well, that sounds... Awesome, and uh, you know we we actually rarely talk about sort of like the medium in which we sort of consume these things and sound. Yeah, uh, I'll take very... a happy TV and better sound uh -huh. any day. Okay, like I have four standing sound. Like my speakers at my at my house are a hundred pounds a piece, three hundred watts per channel. They're as big as a human, you know, a small human, but they're like I take sound over TV any day because I want I want the bass. I want to feel it. In my in my gut, I want to be. I want the floor to be rumbling. 
Or I'll, you know, that's all I need. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That's a whole big debate because my roommate is a big sound guy, and I'm I'm very much will forego sound for picture quality. Uh, so yeah, it's like it's a that's an endless debate. That's a timeless. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, ideally you want both, but uh, if you had to choose, it's a it's, it's a controversial topic but uh john i i envy you in the exhaustive work that went into you <laughs> to, your, <laughs> to your gift my god well kyle uh you're obviously quite the friend and uh, uh thank you for uh, giving john that because hopefully at one point i'll experience it too um definitely uh god what did i do i did nothing this week i didn't even watch godzilla trailer i i did go to a buddy's house last night and watched the abyss which i mentioned briefly uh for the first time did you love it do you love it have you watched it recently because i i loved certain aspects of it but it's it's very long uh it's It's very long it's a very tonally uh confused movie it feels like a couple different movies maybe Uh, is this james cameron it is aliens it's james it's post right uh i think it's 89 yeah. Uh, so it's post Aliens, but it's pre T two. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it it was a big flop. It was one of the most expensive shoots at the time. I mean, financially speaking, I think it's James Cameron's like biggest flop. But it was like his sort of passion project. Like he yes. had this big vision for it, and yeah. um, there's actually it, it almost hearing my buddies talk about it who are much more familiar with it. It almost sounds like the behind the scenes story of getting that movie made is a little more interesting than the, the actual movie, uh, <laughs> which, you know, happens. It's good to, it, the workmanship, I mean, the underwater stuff is incredible. Yes. Right? And, and uh, the the complexity of, of making that stuff was like, you know, agonizing and yes. drove everyone insane. And they went through like a bunch of different crews and like the actors, you know, hated Cameron and like, the usual like Cameron stuff I, that you hear. A lot of it originates yeah. from the abyss yeah. first. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad that I saw it. Uh, I think the most interesting thing about it is I actually, with the gift of hindsight, uh, actually you kind of see him figuring out making like Terminator two and Titanic and mm-hmm. mm. some of his other movies within this movie. There's a lot of like, yeah. there's a lot of like compartments being rushed in with water and like all the water stuff. Right. Yeah, you can sort of see how comes the back into play with Titanic. And I mean there's that famous water tentacle scene which is basically a proof of concept for T1000. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's interesting in that way. It, it's like a very it's it's a it's a frustrating watch, but it's very it's, it's very much like a cinematic curiosity, especially in the context of James Cameron's career, where you can s- yeah. sort of see more formed ideas coming out of, of the abyss, and that would lead to some of his more successful films. So if you haven't seen it, and I realize I'm way late in the boat and <laughs> seeing the abyss, I would recommend at least one watch. And those people that like it, uh, I, I feel like there's a debate to be had because... There are several different cuts of the movie, and you know there's yes. the theatrical release, there's the director's cut. So it, it's one of those one of those movies that that's chopped up, and there's many different versions, and it's sort of you know you're either on on one corner or the other, and whether or not it's successful or not. I would say that it's successful in parts, but largely it it sort of confounded me a little bit. But uh, I, I I do see yeah. what the, its defenders are saying about it, and like I said, it's very interesting in the context of James Cameron's career because it said you you see other movies happening. Or right. the seeds start to grow for his other movies. So that was... It's like of- a story of humans, right? It's a story. If you put five or six people in a closed, confined area right. and you ask and, and you confront them with the fact that we have... We could be confronted with aliens or there's a nuclear bomb that we could detonate. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we deal with that? How yeah. do we resolve that issue? And, and then what does it mean to all of a sudden have aliens be in the Mariana Trench right. on Earth? And we've spent more time exploring the moon than we have our own oceans. Yes. So... And There's a lot that the movie covers. It's a very much cranked up version of Alien, the first Alien, which is sort of makes a little sense because he must have had to study Alien a little bit at least to make Aliens. Uh, but Ridley Scott's Alien is is sort of like a very muted take on a lot of the themes that are very much hammered very loudly in Abyss. It's a curious movie to watch in in context of where it comes from and where it will lead to. 
So I was happy to watch it and uh, would recommend at least one watch if you're interested in that. Uh, but everyone's seen it. I'm just late on the boat. So that's my Geek of the Week. Let's close it out. Kyle, I want to thank you for driving down. Yeah, Obviously, you know, there's this big story of you giving the sound system <laughs> to John. But we all know in our hearts that you just came here on the <laughs> off chance that you'd be a guest. And you are. And uh, it was pretty wonderful. So thank you for coming down. And, cool. Uh, being thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for having me. Let's... Oh, God, shout outs to be a very meta shout out to shout out Kyle right now. But John, <laughs> let's uh, let's go to you first. Where can we find you on the internet? And if you do have any shout outs, go right ahead. You can find me on Twitter at Draw the Story. And since he's right here, I guess I'll shout out to Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kyle, can we find you on the? I don't remember seeing you on Twitter at all. But where can we find you? You Anywhere? you can find me on Twitter. What? Oh, dude, I'm on there. <laughs> Just a little laughs. Uh, what the hell? All right. Uh, oh, yeah, it's at Lotring. Yeah, at Lotring. And um, I, won't, I can't spell L-O-T-R-I-N-G. I am the original prior to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. My family's been around longer. So, um, you know, just, just so we're clear. Wow. Yep. That's such a... That's we were before that, but you know, new, normally when people say spell it, I say Lord of the Rings, and then they get it. It's, it makes sense. <laughs> Holy shit! I never thought of that. Oh come on! <laughs> Sixteen years, you never thought of that? Oh, oh man! John. Oh Johnny! Oh wow! <laughs> wow. Jesus! All right. Um, so uh, you can find me on there. It's just at Lotring. I will find you on there because I, I didn't yeah, realize. So, but uh, that's good to know. And I'm giving a shout out to Mac Daddy. She facilitated my trip up here and the surprise and making sure that Johnny was here and uh, not somewhere else. And my wife who's back at home working hard, saving lives, saving animal lives, and you're worried about me driving home in the snow. But <laughs> it'll all figure out. Oh, and Wright's Dairy Farm, which I will be visiting, which is in Rhode Island, Rhode which Island, Rob, you're Island. aware. And I will be buying copious amounts of fudge and radio bars and hermit cookies. Yeah, Michelle got me a pretty uh, badass Batman cake from right there oh, for my yeah. birthday. So I mean, they just do things well. This is such a Rhode Island podcast because I'm originally from Rhode Island. Yeah. Okay. this is the first time. Yeah, we've had three people from Rhode Island alone that's on cool. podcast. So that's cool. <laughs> uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Very good. I'm Rob. You can find me on Twitter at Heroes Are Boring. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Tisby Podcast. T-I-S-B podcast. No other characters there. You can find us online at tisbycast.com where you find just a bunch of different wonderful things besides our podcast, our blog, our bios, how to reach us. And we also have a Tumblr that Kristen runs at This Is Serious Business Cast. God, I haven't done that in a while. I hope that's right. <laughs> we are on Tumblr. You can find it at Tisbycast, our official site, if that is wrong. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. This has been a wonderful episode. Goodbye to Harold Ramis. We'll miss you. Thank you for all your films. And as usual, I do not know how to end this. Trogdor! That's all I got. <laughs> That's all you got? I just felt like yelling Trogdor. I felt like in the year and a half or so however long I've been listening, I needed to yell Trogdor! Burninate in the villages. Wow. Yeah, it's a Homestar Runner thing. Homestarrunner.com. You didn't know? All right. I guess it was a bad yell. <laughs> Kristen, edit that out. <laughs> oh, man. I want to Kristen reference Orson something magic. we haven't talked about in the last the two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Let's redo. <laughs> Control Z. Command Z. <laughs> so my dad lives in Hawaii, and my sister was briefly in Hawaii. So it was always funny to hear him referencing Hawaii. And I was like, oh, I know what that life is like. Yeah. I, people describe, my dad describes that to me all the time. You know, I went to the beach today for a few hours. I saw the humpback whales. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's hard over here. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> this is serious business. What did you do, Ray? What did you do? <laughs>